0: Hi, this is Sean from Kansas, and I never listened to I Doubt It with Dullamore. And you should value my opinion, because I have a very good brain, and I've said a lot of things.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. All right, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us this episode 366 of I Doubt It with Dallimore. I am your host as always, Jesse Dallimore, and seated across from me, my co-host who is well-read and assertive, not lovely. I am told that is an offensive way to describe her. The lovely and talented no more. Now some other thing. Brittany Page, everybody.
2: Well, all of that sounds pretty good. So
1: You don't mind the Well, the lovely and talented started off as kind of a like a broadcastery joke. Yeah. Ah, the lovely and talented. Britney Page, everybody, good times. Uh-huh. And then it just I kept doing it. Yeah. And someone...
2: 366 episodes later.
1: Someone communicated that that's something that really bothers them about the show.
2: Well, um... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe not bothers them, but it stuck with them, I guess. Yeah. Eh, Whatever. Mm -hmm. Can't please everybody, Brittany. Sometimes there's going to be people out there who are unhappy with certain aspects of what you do.
2: Huh, it's the first time I'm hearing that. (laughs) Uh, It's
1: profound advice, I know.
2: Yeah. Thought everyone would be happy with everything that I do and say all the time. (laughs) Everyone. Yeah, well. Really appreciative.
1: I'm I'm, uh, sorry to be the harbinger of bad things, Mm. the messenger of bad news. Yeah. So... We we have talked about on the show several times about things that we've changed our minds about. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to talk about something that you changed my mind about, but also something that uh, listener Marcus has changed my mind about. Okay. And one is flu shots, and that would be him. Okay. And then the other that you have changed my mind about, it's not really changed my, maybe it's educated me about. Yeah. It's about sneezing. Okay. You've turned me into more of not a germaphobe, mm-hmm. but a germ aware. I'm okay. aware of it more.
2: Okay. So what did I teach you? I'm.
1: Well, I... I used to just like sneak cover my my like I always was taught you cover your mouth when you sneeze. Yeah. And I would just like sneeze into my hands.
2: Oh Jesus! No.
1: Yeah, and apparently that's not the way you do it. <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah. I. No. 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 So.
1: <laughs> wow. That's. I really elicited it quite the the reaction.
2: Yeah. So, well, there's a lot of controversy surrounding flu season because people. Uh, okay, here we go. So wow. it, it's almost like one of these. You had
1: to brace yourself.
2: Well, I'm. It's I'm have I'm being rushed with thoughts that are frustrating me. So it's one of these things where when you see something posted about how you need a flu shot. There's When you go to the comments, because you like to torture yourself and read them.
1: Uh, you're speaking for yourself right now. No,
2: that's how everybody does I it.
1: <laughs> do not do that.
2: So when that happens, there's always that person that says, oh, I never get a flu shot and I've never had the flu. As mm-hmm. though that is the way that everyone needs to go about their life or as though their personal experience is representative of the population. Right, right. Or even as though, I mean, these these studies... No,
1: Brittany, their specific uh, thing that happened to them, their experience generalizes... To all 7 billion humans on the planet.
2: Or even like these studies are saying, hey, if you don't get a flu shot, then you're for sure going to get the flu. It's
1: 100%.
2: But it's also, it reminded me of like spanking studies when they come out and say that spanking your child is related to all of these negative outcomes in life. And then there's always that one person, well, I got spanked and I'm great, you know. Right, right. Um, (laughs) Right.
1: Cigarette hanging out of their mouth.
2: Yeah, the flu is the same kind of situation. <laughs> so the flu shot is important. Yes. And, and people should get it. And I think you heard from Marcus that uh, the best way to counter maybe those people that say, well, I never get the flu. I don't need it. That it isn't necessarily for them. It's about that herd immunity.
1: Yeah, that's well, that's what I took away from it because I said the same thing is that I don't get sick, mm-hmm. and the fact that you're not... And the, the, all this is true, that they kind of try to calculate which strain of the influenza virus will be in effect that year, and oftentimes they're fucking wrong. But that doesn't mean... Cause so so the, that's what I took away from what Marcus said, is that it's not necessarily for you not to get sick, but you will not have that flu virus, because you might have that you know, particles of the flu virus on you and you don't get sick from it, but you might pass it off to someone else who might get sick and have serious, serious repercussions from, from getting the flu that year. Mm-hmm. So getting the flu virus isn't necessarily just for your dumb ass, my dumb ass. It is also for, like you said, herd immunity, which mm-hmm. is important. There's old people out there, little kids with uh, immune deficiencies or some people who are just, a little bit down on their luck relative to immunity and uh, a flu could really fuck them up.
2: Yeah. People die from the flu. So, oh, so yeah. people think that it's like just an inconvenience or something, but people die from the flu and like hundreds of thousands of people go to the hospital because they have the flu every year. For sure. So it's like a serious thing for, for certain populations, but the i think people get confused because the effectiveness can vary like the 2014 to 2015 season for the flu vaccine was only like 19% effective mm-hmm. and then last year it was 48% effective So more effective than before, because there's so many different strains of the flu virus. Um, But the CDC estimates that the flu vaccine can reduce a person's risk of getting sick and having to go to the doctor by 40 to 60 percent. Sure. So
1: and then also keep in mind, not just for you. But for those you may come in contact with who might be in a worse situation than yourself, health-wise.
2: Yeah, so along with that, you know, the CDC has these recommendations for how to just not be a slob. (laughs) And... (laughs) uh,
1: All right, let's hear them.
2: Well, people don't follow them, is what I'm saying. (laughs) And...
1: Just the look on your face, it's contemptuous.
2: Well, listen... I was I was raised. We we know the type of household that I was raised in, and it's very weird because like my family had very weird priorities, you know, um, indoctrin- indoctrinating us with a white supremacist ideology. But they were also serious about germs. So my mom. You think
1: it was more your mom than your dad, and your dad just capitulated?
2: Yeah, my mom was. All about the cleanliness. Like people would come over and say, Wow, I could eat off this floor. She would vacuum three times a day. I mean, it was like excessive cleaning behaviors. Yeah. Uh, probably pathological. And yeah,
1: <laughs> um, mildly problematic.
2: Yeah. But along with that came indoctrinating us with rules to follow for cleanliness. So when we would cough or sneeze and we didn't cover it with our arm it would be like hey what are you doing
1: right so you're you're you you sneeze unlike me up until a c- few years ago yeah you sneeze into the crook of your elbow or into your the the most reachable part of your arm yeah I would just sneeze my filth into my fucking open hands.
2: Well here, let's give it a fun name. Apparently there it's called a Dracula sneeze.
1: Oh, what is it like to pull the cape over. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs>
2: yes. Um so w- if it has a fun name that might make you more likely to do it, right? No?
1: All right. What am I? A 5-year-old?
2: <laughs> I don't know. God damn. <laughs> but um
1: three sneezes avoided. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um washing your hands frequently. Um, with soap and water, that is very important. Um, singing happy birthday twice while you're doing it is important.
1: Happy birthday. Twi- it's supposed to be like a 20 second hand wash. Why do you have to do?
2: It is 20 seconds. Yeah. That's good. But um, why,
1: why, why? Well, that's
2: like a rule of thumb. Like if you can't count to 20 and you want to <laughs> do a fun little tune. But
1: you know, the happy birthday song. Yeah. And having people are looking at you like you're a fucking freak in the bathroom.
2: Well, you can sing it in your head. You don't have to do it out loud. Then that's not singing. Um. Okay, it's not singing if you're singing in your head.
1: How do you sing in your head?
2: You sing the song in your head.
1: That's not singing. That's thinking.
2: <laughs> okay, so... Anyway, um, (laughs) so
1: wash your goddamn mitts.
2: Yeah. And then dry them because wet hands can transmit germs more easily than, um, dry hands. So dry them. And apparently some studies show that paper towels are better than the electric air dryers. But I mean, it's, it's not like that is official. You just want
1: clean and dry dick beaters is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, that's what you're saying. So, <laughs> that's what you're if saying. you can't wash your hands, then use hand sanitizer, but be aware that hand sanitizer doesn't kill all viruses.
1: Yeah, 99.9. 9. And I've even seen, you know, dumb articles that I can't, you know, test the veracity of that say uh, that might be overstating the case on those antibacterial soaps.
2: Right. So, I was reading this 538 article and they referenced a 2011 observational study where these people went to public areas and just observed the public health behavior.
1: Where I'm call, where I'm from, that's called creeping. Well... We went into the bathrooms in public places. They didn't go into the bathrooms,
2: people. no. Like, they went into, I think, hospitals was one of the areas, and they compared how people acted at the entrance of the hospital compared to, like, the hospital cafe. And what ends up happening is... People tend to engage in these behaviors, like coughing into their arm when they're around people. Like in the cafe in the hospital, they were more likely to cough into
1: their arm. Where you'll be judged. Yeah, but
2: if that's not the case, then they don't. do They'll just cough into their hand. And the thing is, these need to just become like how you behave in order for it to actually work. If you're just occasionally doing it. Um, when you when you fear judgment, right? Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: well, there's some people who are immune from the threat of judgment. We, we you <laughs> walk through any Costco or any mall in America, and you'll see all kinds of just filthy fucking heathen monsters well, coughing their filth into the air, spewing their their just grotesquity. Ugh.
2: Did you mention airports? Because No, I, that's another one. I've been walking I've had this experience where I was walking through the airport and I saw fully grown humans that were walking.
1: <laughs> Not just shitty little kids.
2: No, they they were carrying their bags. They looked like official business, like they had somewhere to be. And just <coughs> into the air. <laughs> Not even in their hand. Just coughing that's what I'm into the air. Yeah. So that's I don't kind know. of a
1: fuck you to humanity. It fuck really all it is. all of people I mean, around me. What
2: is going on with that person <laughs> who is just coughing on everyone? Yeah. I mean, that is insulting. Yeah. It was offensive. I saw it happen, and I had to stop and, like, process it. It took a while. It was really disturbing.
1: All right. <laughs> so get your flu shot. Wash your goddamn hands. It's
2: coming back to me. I'm, I, I can I'm tell. upset all over again.
1: I can tell. All right, let's let's move on to some voicemails. We have two voicemails in the in the continuing saga of the conversation about sexual assault and sexual impropriety and sexual misconduct. That that is the spirit in which we will continue with our voicemails.
3: Hey guys, it's Carissa. I'm calling regarding James's phone call from the last episode. What the gist of it, other than? coming across kind of condescending. I don't know if I'm the only one that picked up on that, but the gist of it seems to be that
4: he's saying,
3: yes, all these women are coming forward and saying they were sexually assaulted, but look how it's going to be an inconvenience and hassle for the men to change the way they behave and what they understand is socially acceptable may not be socially acceptable if socially acceptable to you is going up to a woman in a bar after meeting her for 35 seconds and grabbing her ass or stroking the back of her neck that's just creepy and how would you like that if someone came up and did that to you never mind i don't want to know the answer anyway love the show um of course Brittany's the best part bye love the show Brittany, the best
2: part. But yes. So, thank you to Carissa for the call. Um I think that we talked about that a little bit when we responded to um Jamie's call. But I want to talk about an issue that I thought about after we did the show that I didn't bring up. So, something that he referenced was um there are women like this that exist. These women that um, know what they want and can like approach men and be forward. I don't remember exactly how he described it, but it reminded me of Leanne Tweeden and. The reaction that she received, and she's a poor example.
1: R- remember, Leanne Tweeden is the woman who came out with the photo of her in the flak jacket and Al Franken, yeah, the story of him grabbing her by the back of the neck and st- sticking his tongue in her mouth,
2: yeah, yeah. And she might be a poor example because people, uh, <laughs> don't like her very much, and um. There were some like people. They,
1: they've ascribed political motivations exactly. to what she is, what Thank she you. her allegations.
2: Thank you for helping me through my struggle. And <laughs> people were criticizing her, saying, "Listen, here's other photos of her posing with other men, like grabbing them and and behaving this way." There's
1: video of her like putting her leg up on on Robin Williams.
2: Yeah, and oh, here are these pictures of her posing in her in lingerie and whatever. She posed naked
1: for Playboy yeah. or whatever. So- yeah.
2: They they took these parts of her, that she was free... These are liberals
1: doing this. Right, that
2: she was free and open with other men, and that she's dressed this way before, and that she's posed in this way before, and somehow used those arguments to suggest that Al Franken can treat her however he wants, regardless yeah, right. of whether or not she's consenting to it. No. Even with a woman who is forward and knows what she wants... And is sexual and open about her sexuality. There's still consent involved. Yeah, well, Just because she is touching yes. a man and is okay with him touching her doesn't mean that some other guy can come up and go, "Oh, he's touching her, and she's touching him, and I want to get into this party."
1: Let, let's let's say it's a woman, even beyond uh, Leanne Tweeden. Let's say it's someone who gets paid to have sex, uh, like a porn star.
2: Yeah. It that still doesn't applies. mean. That
1: does not mean <laughs> right. that Al Franken. Oh well you, you've been loosey goosey by my standard with other dudes. So I guess right. you're mine now. Right. No, that's the answer. Should be when someone presents you with evidence like that. Um, so fucking what? Yes. Who, who? What does that have to do with this situation at all?
2: Well, and it was weird to see liberals doing that because. Uh, not
1: really, because people are shitty.
2: Well, I, under, I understand politi- that. Yeah. I understand that. But I'm... Because conservatives tend to attack women for those things. They just seem more likely to do that. Yeah. Um. And it, it happened with Megyn Kelly when she wore a strapless dress or a spaghetti strap dress to do the debate. And she was... You know, people were saying she's not professional. And why are you dressing like that? You're showing your shoulders. And when when is this going to stop? I mean, it's almost 2018 yeah, yeah. that we're going to be talking about how someone is dressed and how they can't complain about it. I even saw Rose McGowan was doing a round table discussion with women who have come out with their sexual harassment and assault allegations. And people were commenting on it saying the woman who walked the red carpet with Marilyn Manson with her ass out is now trying to right. And it's, what does that have to do with it? She wore a dress one time. And so, what does that say about how she can be treated by men now? Yeah,
1: I I don't care if she wore a a, a fucking bathing suit or nothing. It doesn't give someone the right to take control of her body, of her being.
2: Yeah. Fuck off. So, I think this is hard for people to understand because it's just so deeply ingrained in the society and the way people think. But it's time to start changing it is. <laughs> it is time. It is past time. Yeah.
1: The, the other thing I did want to address that Carissa said, and I, I didn't really get a condescending uh, thing from, from James. mm mm-hmm. um, And I want to caution the audience. Especially, look, I, I consider us a community, a family, if you will. And if one of us comes and they, they leave a voicemail and they want to talk about an issue, we're all to take a, a a phrase from David Pizarro from Very Bad Wizards we're all thinking in public here we should give each other the the the, the latitude the freedom to to you know it's like Sean from Virginia everybody jumped on Sean eh, let's let's calm down and let people work through the thoughts we're all having a conversation here and if we can't have the conversation with the freedom to make mistakes in our language and, and in our thought process, um, then why are we having a conversation? Why are we why are we here? Why are we doing this? So, you know, while I didn't agree with James, um, this is part of that. So, anyway, food for thought, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, thank you, Carissa, for the call. We appreciate it. Let's move on. Last last call about uh, the Me Too movement in general.
0: Hey guys, this is Andy from Oklahoma, and I wanted to weigh in on the hashtag Me Too movement um, and maybe give a little bit of a different perspective. Um, last episode, there was a caller who mentioned or kind of went over the statistics of, you know, how rare false accusations uh, t- tend to be um, but first I want to make sure that you understand that I am all for being, erring on the side of, of, believing anybody who comes forward, um, because they need to feel comfortable coming forward. Anybody, uh, you know, men and women alike need to feel comfortable coming forward, uh, because, you know, if, if we don't believe anybody, then we're never going to make, you know, lasting change in society. However, um... You know, when when the caller had mentioned that the, the number of false, uh, false accusations were between two and 10%, my first thought was, 10%, fuck, that's a lot. That's a lot of people who, you know, were falsely accused, because the thing is, you know, I am in a position, see, I manage an apartment complex, basically by myself. I do the management and the maintenance. And so I am regularly putting myself in positions where it would be very easy for somebody to, if they just, if they were mad because I was, you know, they were being evicted or, uh, they thought maybe they could get some money, I I mean, whatever. And, um, that's, I mean, it's not something that I think about all the time, but it certainly is a concern when I hear about false accusations, because the thing is. It doesn't take a conviction; it just to, to ruin basically my whole life and, and uproot me and, and put me in a position where I have to completely start over. It just takes an accusation, because if somebody did decide if I and believe me, I go I cover my uh, cover my ass in every instance. I always have the correct paperwork. I always give the correct notices, but I'm always put. I have to to be able to do my job. I have to put myself in positions where. A lot of times I'm going to fix you know problems in apartments by myself and there's no witnesses. There's no, you know, so, so it's a, it's a fear of mine. Um, and I don't know really, and the thing is I'm torn because I don't want to be the guy that's like, well, well I don't know if we should believe everybody, but at the same time, like I, I picture myself in the position of somebody who's been falsely accused. And, and this is a small town and everybody knows everybody uh, for the most part. So all of a sudden, if I'm accused of some, you know, terrible act, even if it turns out, which it would, but even if it turns out that it was false, the rumor is still out there. And so now all of a sudden this apartment complex has a person who's been accused of, well, who knows what, working there. So nobody's going to rent an apartment here. And every time anybody sees me, they're never... So I couldn't work there anymore. And then I have to figure something else out. So I mean, really, and again, this is just... the chances of something like this happening are slim, knock on wood. Um, But when I hear 10% or 7% of accusations were false, I think, fuck, that's a lot of people who just by the accusations, probably if they were in my position or something similar, they were completely screwed. Um, So I don't know. And that's where I don't know that I'll ever come to a conclusion on on whether I'm right or wrong or where I should be on it or anything like that. Um, But... You know, because I can't. I I don't know what else to do other than my my job the way I'm supposed to do it. And if it ever beca- uh, you know comes to being accused of something like that, and it would be falsely because I would never do anything like that, um, it could totally screw me. So, you know, I really I don't know that there's an answer, but I just wanted to sort of throw my two cents in and maybe maybe again share a perspective that people may have not thought about before. Uh, because it's a real fear. I mean, it's not... And again, I don't dwell on it, but it's a fear of mine that every time I'm in somebody's apartment or somebody's in my office, just the two... You know, one like a, a person just comes in and sits in my office. It's just two of us. It makes me it makes me a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit nervous just because you just never know. And so, um, anyway, I love the show and I think you guys do great work. And uh, I'm sorry, but Brittany is the best part. Uh, I hope you guys just have a wonderful holiday and... Uh, thank you for everything you
2: do. Love the show. Brittany. the best part. Bye. Andy, I want to say that I really feel for you because I can hear the apprehension, I guess, yeah. and uh, fear, maybe, of talking about this. There was a lot of, now I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but I want you to know that I'm for sure... On the side of women and I, you know, and I feel bad that men feel like they can't talk about this without having to make those additional comments and kind of clarify as they go. Right.
1: Can I, I I think that sometimes a guy will say, well, I want to say blah, 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 but, and then he goes on and it completely defeats it. He completely eviscerates um, the prior statement. And I, I didn't feel like Andy did that at all. I, I, throughout that entire over four minutes, Andy, four minutes, <laughs> uh, uh, throughout the, entire, the entirety of the call, I still believed that he is an ally. He is somebody who believes and takes women at their word. And we've talked about it. Not all women should be taken at their word because sometimes it doesn't add up. Sometimes, very rarely, but it happens.
2: So that's what I want to say to Andy and anyone who's feeling like Andy is feeling. So when you read about these reports in the news, it isn't as though anonymous woman calls the New York Times and says, hello, um, I have an accusation against so-and-so. And and they go, oh, good. Okay, let me write this up real quick. Uh, Type, 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 publish. OK. Yeah. No, there's time that goes into it. They're going to ask them in detail to tell their story. When did it happen? Yeah. Who did they tell? What are the phone numbers for those people? The names of those people? How old were they? What year did this happen? Then they're going to go to those people and say, uh, were you told about something that happened to this person? OK, how old were you when that happened? What did they say? Tell us in detail. Uh, let's get some corroboration here and. Um, It's a process.
1: Right, but Andy's not going to get that treatment because he's a regular dude who manages an apartment complex. He's not going to have the Washington Post be uh, chasing down leads. What he's talking about is, in his real-life experience, it would completely upend his entire life. And, And look...
2: Well, well what, what kind of accusation are we talking about here then? Well, So let's, let's give an example. A woman goes and reports him to the police and says, what happened?
1: Well, let's say um, just off the... He needs to fix a sink. And he gives notice, hey, I'm going to be in your apartment, you know, like a, you have a right to do as a landlord. You can inspect so many times a year if there's a maintenance problem, You, but you give notice. I'm going to be there. You knock on the door, you knock on the door, whatever the process is, no one's there. And then you, I'm entering the apartment or whatever you do. And then he goes in and the woman comes out of her bedroom and she's naked or something. And then makes a claim or whatever.
2: Makes a claim of what?
1: Of of, uh, of assault or... Okay,
2: to who? To the police? Yes. Okay, the police are going to come investigate that.
1: Yeah, but he, what he's saying is even the allegation against him.
2: I, because I don't. it's not
1: like the instantly investigate in a small town. I grew up in a tiny little town. It, it could. It could be a, a major fucking upending life, upending thing for someone. And like he said, there really is no answer. It's cover your ass the best you can be. Be above reproach. Have the reputation as someone who, who acts appropriately. And uh, that's all you can do. But you can't live your life in fear of what might happen.
2: Well, I would say he sounds like he is living in fear of yeah, what might happen. Yeah, sure. So that's what I'm trying to speak to here. And, and it sounds like, you know, he's saying a false accusation is going to ruin his life. And I just I don't know if that is a fact, hmm. because it seems like there are if you're working with rational people, and I would hope that's the case, then it seems like that's going to be investigated, Yeah. Uh, especially by your employer who knows you. They might, you know, say you're going to have to take some time off while we investigate this, figure out what happened like they do at other organizations where they say, yeah, he's going to be gone for three weeks while we investigate what happened here. Right. And then the investigation will run its course and they'll make a decision. I mean, I don't know, but I would say I was also struck by the 10%. Yes, that's a lot. And I would say falsely accused doesn't necessarily mean fa- falsely incarcerated or falsely charged. Yeah. Obviously, that does happen. Sure. Um, but that isn't necessarily what happens.
1: Right. I, 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 If I had any advice for you, Andy, it would be this. It would be if you suspect someone might be uh, part of that 10% or might pose a threat to you relative to that, uh, take extra precaution. Have someone there with you. Um, record do something i don't know if oklahoma is a two-party consent state but i would i would take the precautions you need to but also those statistics aren't it's not like if you're i don't know i just wouldn't worry i i you know if you're a decent human being it's not like so you know 10 out of 100 men have been falsely accused It's, it's not that's not how those statistics roll out.
2: Well, and he said anytime he's sitting alone with someone in his office, he's thinking about this. Yeah. And that's not like a healthy place to be. Not productive. Yeah, it that's a bummer. And
1: So goddammit, stop it. Well,
2: I can only imagine <laughs> how many other men are feeling like this. Like yeah. professors or people that doctors, you know, I mean, I I don't know. Yeah. It's a bummer.
1: It is a bummer. Um but I think I think that what we're gaining outweighs what might be diminished.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, th- it's overall progress which I think is wonderful. So, hang in there Andy. We appreciate the call very much. If you too would like to sound off, communicate with the show, help move the conversation forward 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it. Nick
2: and Warren Warren and then charity edited her pledge
1: charity upped her pledge we appreciate all of you so much that is awesome again for those in that ten dollars or more per month tier we will be broadcasting live (laughs) we will be live streaming on YouTube how the sausage is made at 6 p.m pacific time um
2: On Christmas Eve. On
1: Christmas Eve. That's the other thing I wanted to say.
2: Every Sunday going forward. So people said that it would be better if we set a time. And so for now, this will be the time that is set, unless we hear from a bunch of people that that time is not good. So 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Okay.
1: I think it's Pacific Daylight Time now. Well, whatever. According to Mark Nagel.
2: Well, whatever, Mark. And. (laughs) And that's a set time going forward every yeah. Sunday. So just remember that. And if you have a problem, uh, message us and tell us.
1: And If you are thinking about supporting the show uh, through Patreon, that is the way to do it. You go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. You can get in on the Google Hangout calls that we do once a month. You can get in on the live stream episodes that we're doing once a week. And then also we, we send stickers and, uh, you know, good vibes. Lots of good vibes.
2: Yes. And don't forget, time is running out to get your Christmas presents on Amazon. So if you are doing last minute shopping, don't forget to go to Dolomore.com slash Amazon.
1: All right. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So this next segment is going to be (laughs) kind of different for us. (laughs) Um, The tax bill was passed, and this first clip I'm going to play is talking a little bit about the tax cut and the tax reform bill, the the hashtag GOP tax scam bill. That's the Twitter hashtag right now. Mm. And the first clip is just talking a little bit about it and how the ultra-rich will absolutely benefit disproportionately from this deficit tax bill a trillion dollar deficit these republicans these these frauds and these phonies who for years have talked about being deficit hawks not wanting to to impart massive debt on our kids who maligned barack obama for what was a t- too large of a deficit or a debt adding to the national debt uh, on the American people, on our children and grandchildren and their children. And they for years talked about that. Well, that is apparently not the case. They don't care anymore. Um, that's that's not what's important. They needed a political win, so they did what they did. So I'm gonna play the clip and then we're gonna go through this very weird. Again, it's continuing this, this, this impulse to heap fucking praise on donald trump like he's a child who needs uh a, a, an ego boost uh, a self-esteem boost from these from these leaders it's a weird fucking thing anyway so let's play the clip and then we'll get into the
5: praise on this tax bill tonight how will president trump and his family fare and did he keep his campaign promises what the white house told our cecilia vega today
6: Tonight, the White House celebrating what it calls a promise made and a promise kept. A promise like this. I took this job on behalf of
7: the forgotten men and women of our country. But guess what? They are forgotten no more.
6: Most working and middle class Americans will get a tax cut. But independent analysts say eventually their taxes will go up. And the president recently promised a tax code so simple you could file on a postcard. Great job. Thank you very
8: much. I, I didn't know I was going to be given a prop. bag, is my only Don't It's
6: yours. It's
4: yours. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that postcard not happening either. The 503 page tax bill still means a lot of paperwork for taxpayers. The president insisting time and time again he's going to pay big league under the plan.
8: It's not good for me, believe me. This is going to cost me a fortune, this thing,
6: believe me. Also, not true. Here's how President Trump stands to benefit. Income taxes for the ultra-rich will drop. Business owners, including those in commercial real estate like the Trumps, get a big break from what's known as a pass-through deduction. And his family stands to save millions on inheritance taxes. The president has said that this tax bill is going to cost him a fortune. That's actually not the case. How does he figure this is going to cost him a lot of money?
2: Look, we expect um, that it likely will, certainly on the personal side, uh, could cost the president a lot of money. But
6: he stands to benefit from pass-through deductions, top-rate tax reduction, estate tax exemption is doubled. He's going to make money
2: on that. Uh, look, again, uh, this is a tax plan that we hope benefits all Americans.
5: And Cecilia Vega live at the White House tonight. Cecilia, you pressed Sarah Sanders on whether President Trump will benefit from this tax bill. She said over and over again that this bill will cost the president, but she did seem to then couch her words.
6: Yeah, when it comes to his business dealings, David, Sarah Sanders says that the president could benefit from these tax cuts. She still maintains that he will take a hit when it comes to his personal income. But David, the president
2: stands to win on both fronts.
5: All right. Cecilia Vega at the White House.
2: So Jim Acosta was also at that White House press briefing. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders really set herself up to be questioned more on that issue when she distinguished from his benefit on the business side and his uh, taking a hit on the personal side. And Jim Acosta tried to get at that a little more and said, well, you know, how is he going to benefit on the business side? And is it going to even out or is he going to end up with an overall loss or an overall benefit? Like, what does that look like? Right. You and, spoke
1: to it. Now give us more detail.
2: Yeah. And she was obviously dismissive and rude, like she is to Jim Acosta. Yeah. <laughs> they have kind of an adversarial relationship. For sure
1: the most contentious relationship in the in the breathing room.
2: Yeah. And then she walked off while she was answering the question and ended ended the press Yeah, briefing.
1: like mid-answer. Like, at the end of her sentence, just walked away. Didn't, like, right. wrap it up.
2: And then, of course... Because they're saying that he will benefit on the business side, will not benefit on the personal side. The question comes of, well, where are his tax returns? He still hasn't released them. And again, he's still under audit.
1: Right. You're making a claim that is wholly unsubstantiated, unsubstantiatable. Yeah. Because you won't provide his, and again, with the audit thing. Well, they're under, we've said it a million times, they're under audit. Well, you didn't even release. The 2016 taxes, right? which couldn't be under audit because you just filed them. Mm-hmm. Taxes aren't preemptively audited.
2: Yeah. well, They're I, just liars.
1: They're fucking liars. I went
2: to the IRS website and looked up how long audits typically take, mm-hmm. and they have no... Time frame. Yeah. It just says basically however long it takes.
6: <laughs> right.
2: So eight years
1: from now. Oh no no. Yeah. My twenty fifteen taxes are still under audit in 2019. I
2: mean, who knows?
1: <laughs> God damn. So the way that they structured this tax bill is that it's front-loaded. All the benefits are in the front. And then I guess that's so they could sell it. But by 2027, the top one percent is gonna get 83% of this tax cut. And the top 0.1% gets 60%. And by 2027, again, two thirds of the middle class are going to see their taxes increase. So there's no other way to look at this other than the rich are gonna get richer on the backs of the middle class. It's 100%. It's in. That's the Tax Policy Institute. You go to taxpolicycenter.org you could read all about it. But that's not necessarily what I wanted to talk about today. What I want to talk about is this weird proclivity to shower praise on our 71 year old president who needs the ego boost so bad. Listen to Mike Pence. Washington Post did a, did a a little a a write-up that he gave he complimented Trump every 12 seconds for three minutes and this was at a at a campaign or at a cabinet meeting where they kind of went around the room like they normally do well Ben Carson gave a prayer I'm not going to play the prayer I have it loaded but we can skip that Mike Pence praising Donald Trump at this cabinet meeting it is creepy Keep in mind, it followed a prayer. It did follow Ben Carson's prayer, and if you if you're of the Christian variety, if if you're even if you come from evangelical stock, that was your flavor. That was your doctrine of Christianity. Insert, listen to this this praise session of Donald Trump by Mike Pence, who's sitting directly across the the boardroom table from him. <laughs> and insert God, the Father, Heavenly Father, Jesus, Lord. Think of this like a prayer, and it's no different at all.
4: Thank you very much, Mike. Would you like to say a few words.
5: Well, I, I appreciate, it, Mr. President. As I I told you last night, uh, shortly after the Senate vote, uh, I know I speak on behalf of the entire cabinet and of millions of Americans when I say congratulations and thank you. Thank you you for seeing, uh, through the course of this year, uh, an agenda that that truly is restoring this country. You, You described it very well, Mr. President. From the outset of this administration, we've been rebuilding our military, putting the safety and security of the American people first. You've restored American credibility on the world stage we're standing with our allies we're standing up to our enemies but you promised uh, economic renewal at home uh, you said we could make this economy great again uh, and you promised to roll back regulations and you sign more bills uh, rolling back federal red tape than any president in American history. You've unleashed American energy. You've, you've spurred an optimism in this country that's setting records um, but you promised the American people in that campaign uh, a year ago that you would deliver historic uh, tax cuts, uh, and uh, it would be a middle-class miracle. And uh, in in just a short period of time, that promise will be fulfilled. And, uh, and I just, uh, I'm deeply humbled as your Vice President to be able to be here. Because of your leadership, Mr. President, and because of the strong support of leadership in the Congress of the United States, you're delivering on that middle-class miracle. Uh, you've actually got the Congress to do, as you said, what they couldn't do with Anwar for 40 years. You've got the Congress to do with, with tax cuts for working families and American businesses, what they haven't been able to do for 31 years. Uh, and you got Congress uh, to do what they couldn't do for seven years in repealing the individual mandate in Obamacare. Uh, I know you would have me also acknowledge people around this table, Mr. President. I want to, uh, I want to thank the leaders in Congress once again. Uh, for their partnership in this. I want to thank your outstanding team, your Secretary of the Treasury, uh, Steven Mnuchin, for Gary Cohen, for Ivanka Trump, for your great legislative team, all the members of this Cabinet who partnered uh, to drive your vision forward over the past six months after you laid out that vision for tax reform. Uh, But mostly, Mr. President, I'll end where I began and just tell you, uh, I want to thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank you for uh, speaking on behalf of and fighting every day for the forgotten men and women of America. Uh, because of your determination, because of your leadership, the forgotten men and women of America are forgotten no more, and we are making America great again. Thank
4: you, thank you yes, Mr. President. Much. God bless I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
5: So
2: I feel like we we weren't supposed to hear this. Yeah, it's Like it was all right. like a private moment. Enough already. But I do want to say that something that stood out to me, aside from the entire creepy ordeal, <laughs> was even when he said, I'm going to take the time to thank other people, he said, because I know you would want me to. So it was still... About Donald Trump. Yeah. Like, I know that you would want me to take the time to recognize other people as well. It might
1: also be because he knows Donald Trump's not going to thank anybody because that's not his style Mm -hmm. and he better do it on behalf of the president.
2: Well, and Donald Trump this whole time was sitting with his arms folded like he does. Why does he do this so often?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. He's
2: always sitting there looking like he's pissed off with his arms folded.
1: What do you think is the motivation here? Cuz I don't know that I buy into the fact or the the thought that Mike Pence is just this this spineless sycophant, that he's just this this adoring follower of Donald Trump. I just I don't know if I buy that.
2: Well, if if he really isn't expressing genuine admiration here, then he is a spineless soules, anyway. Soulless douche. <laughs> so I I don't know what the motivation is, but it is very uh, creepy to, to <laughs> listen to this and realize that like you're you're not listening in to a meeting in North Korea, I, you know, like someone praising Kim Jong Un. Like this is happening in America.
1: Yeah, it's gross.
2: So they
1: took the party outside after the Senate voted, and then the next day the House had to revote because of their idiots, and they jumped the gun. But Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan got their chance at the podium outside, and it's a weird—this didn't happen with Barack Obama. This never happened with George W. Bush. When a measure got passed, let's say Obamacare, I've watched footage of these kind of events, and it's they talk about, this is good for America. We've done this. America will be bettered. We accomplished. The country will, you know, we as the country, blah, blah, blah. It's not, thank you, President Obama. Thank you for your leadership on this. You've made the world better. You've spoken for the unspoken for Americans. And you are the greatest man. That's not what it was,
2: ever. I'm like traumatized all over again. Ever.
1: So listen to Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan getting their chance
2: to (laughs) juggle
1: the balls a little bit. (laughs) Thank you. Mitch, how about you start it? (laughs) Hey, go ahead and start complimenting me, everybody.
8: Well, let me just say, Mr. you made the case for the tax bill. But this has been a year of extraordinary accomplishment for the Trump administration.
1: Mm. Yes, so good, Trump.
8: We've cemented the Supreme Court right of center for a generation. Mr. President, thanks to your nominees, we put 12 circuit court judges in place, the most since the circuit court system was established in 1891. You hold the record.
1: Oh, record-breaking. Oh.
8: You've ended the overregulation of the American economy. And that, coupled with what we did last night and what the House finished this morning, means America is going to start growing again. Thank you, Mr. President, for all you're doing.
1: Mm, thank you. Thank you. Paul Ryan, everybody. First of all, uh, what this represents is a promise that each and every one of us made to the American people last year is a promise that is kept today. Mm. Something
0: this big, something this generational, something this profound could not have been done without exquisite presidential leadership. Mr. President, thank you for getting us over the finish line. Thank you for getting us where we
8: are.
1: Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Exquisite presidential penis. I mean, leadership. Oh, Trump. Oh, it's so exquisite. What are they doing? They're fucking embarrassing themselves. That's what they're doing. Do you think they know it? <laughs> or do you think they're so free from shame that they, ah, we're getting what we want, so I don't care what kind of a, a brown noser that I look like?
2: You know what's weird is how <laughs> they... <laughs> They don't care at all about public opinion. It's pretty remarkable. They just keep trucking. I mean, I don't know if I, and I don't know why I said that. Um, keep on
1: trucking. Yeah, you know, this, this tax bill only has a thirty-three <laughs> percent approval.
2: Yeah, it's. I don't. I don't know what to think about Paul Ryan anymore because people used to kind of hold him up as this rational character. Yeah, and ever since Donald Trump has been elected, it has been just. I mean, he defends him. He doesn't say anything against him. Exquisite presidential leadership. Are you watching what is happening? I don't understand at all what the hell is going on.
1: Well, let's listen to Orrin Hatch. Also, almost sounds like he's goddamn crying talking about Donald Trump as the greatest president. He's so proud. He loves him so much.
4: Well, Mr. President, I have to say that you're living up to every, everything I thought you would. Uh. You're one heck of a leader, and we're all benefiting from it. This bill could not have passed without you, couldn't have passed without the Alaskan de- delegation, couldn't have passed without the leadership in the House and the Senate, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, and the other leaders as well. All I can say is is that we're making headway. This is just the beginning. You stop and think about it, this president hasn't even been in office for a year. And look at all the things that he's been able to get done by sheer will in many ways. I just hope that we all get behind him every way we can and we'll get this country turned around in ways that will benefit the whole world. Mm -hmm. But above all, benefit our people and bring us all to a realization of how really great America really is, and how the rest of the world depends on us. I love this country. I came from very humble roots. Oh, my God. Here we go. I have to say that this is one of the great privileges of my life, to stand here on the White House lawn with the President of the United States who I love and appreciate so much.
2: Wow. So, Jesus Christ. um, Did... Do you think that they got together and said, kind of planned this? Because you it makes know, me wonder. All these reports of Donald Trump needing to be coddled and getting so easily upset when the negativity <laughs> about the news coverage is brought up and the Russian investigation. Do you think that they got together and said, listen, we need to like really praise him because he is getting more out of control and like maybe we could do something here if we compliment him a lot.
1: I don't know if it's just general knowledge or maybe there is an active where staffers go around to the Senate staff or to the senators themselves and say, hey, listen, why don't you say something nice about the president? He's he's really feeling down today. Mm -hmm. His balls have not been juggled inside of the mouths of the senate and house leadership enough and he, he's looking forward to that so I help him out
2: Well, and don't forget that Orrin Hatch, Mr. Humble Beginnings, he needs to talk about his humble beginnings every time he opens his mouth. He
1: loves America. He just hates its kids. Is
2: the same one that said, quote, I have a rough time wanting to spend billions and billions and trillions of dollars to help people who won't help themselves, won't lift a finger, and expect the federal government to do everything. This is about having money for CHIP.
1: Yeah, CHIP. Child's Health Insurance Program.
2: And... You know, with his humble beginnings, he really loves people that like get a small loan of a million dollars, but then gets really angry with children who can't lift a finger to help themselves.
1: Yeah. Why don't they just go out there and get a job? If their parents are too poor or freeloady to pay for their health insurance, why don't those kids take it upon themselves to do it? I'm sure that that's what uh, what he did since he got help going to law school from the federal government When he was a poor guy. It's just fucking hypocrisy. It's rank and sick and gross. Disgusting the way they're they're carrying on with Donald Trump. Well, listen, we're gonna we're gonna finish this particular segment with a little bit of more Mike Pence. He also, a day later, this is a day after their little cabinet meeting, uh, he got to the mic again and went on and on and on about Donald Trump.
7: Well, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for those kind words, but more importantly, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your boundless faith in the American people. And thank you for keeping your promise to see this Congress deliver the largest tax cut in American history before Christmas of this year. Merry Christmas, America. First of all, that's a lie. It's not the
1: biggest tax. It's the 18th biggest tax cut this century or last century within a hundred years.
7: It's not the biggest at all. I truly do believe, Mr. President, that this will be remembered as a pivotal moment in the life of our nation. A day when the Congress answered your call and made history. But honestly, I would say to the American people, President Trump has been making history since the first day of this administration. We've been rebuilding our military, standing with our veterans. And just last week, President Trump signed one of the largest investments in our national defense since the days of Ronald Reagan. We've been defending our borders, upholding the rule of law. Illegal crossings on our southern border are down by more than 50%. And President Trump has been restoring American credibility on the world stage, standing with our allies and standing up to our enemies. As the President reflected earlier today, our NATO allies are paying more toward their common defense. North Korea is more isolated than ever before. This President's put Iran on notice and put the war on Afghanistan on a path to victory. And thanks to the leadership of this Commander-in-Chief and the courage of our armed forces, ISIS is on the run. Their capital has fallen, and their so-called caliphate has crumbled across Syria <laughs> and Iraq. And Iraq. Uh, he sounds just like the but Saturday what brings night live us guy. here today is that President Trump also knows that American strength starts with a growing American economy. And from the first day of this administration, this president championed free and fair trade. He rolled back federal red tape at record levels. We've unleashed American energy, and today... Mr. President, you fulfilled the promise you made to millions of Americans struggling in this economy to cut taxes across the board for working families and businesses large and small. In August of this year, the President laid out his vision for a tax cut that would be a middle-class miracle, and that's exactly what the Congress passed today. This tax cut will put more money in the pockets of the American people, It'll make our tax code more simple, more fair, more easy to understand. It'll make businesses across America more competitive to create good-paying jobs and raise wages for working Americans. I can tell you I serve with him every day. President Donald Trump is a man of his word. He's a man of action. And with the strong support of these members of Congress, President Donald Trump delivered a great victory for the American people. We made history today. But as the President said when we gathered this morning, a few of us with a few less hours sleep than usual, we're just getting started. And I can assure you, this President and this entire administration will not rest and relent until the forgotten men and women of America are forgotten no more. So thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for your leadership.
1: You've got 30 seconds left. Thank Brittany. you for
7: your love for this country and the people. Of this country and I know in my heart with the strong continued support of the members of Congress who are gathered on these steps and with God's help you will make America great again
2: so they won't be forgotten anymore they were forgotten throughout that entire speech right this was not a speech about the collaborative effort it took to pass this bill to work on this bill It wasn't about the benefits that will come to Americans. Yeah. It was all about Donald Trump.
1: Very weird.
2: Doesn't that seem unimportant? Doesn't it seem like the more important talking points to emphasize would be the benefit to everyday hardworking Americans that you say are forgotten? That won't be forgotten anymore. Shouldn't that have been the focus? Isn't that the point of this rather than just a victory for Donald Trump?
1: He set aside about 30 seconds of that three and a half minutes for that. The rest of it was what a tireless champion and unafraid arbiter of American interest. Donald Trump is Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, my Lord and Savior, Donald Trump. This is weird. This is not normal. This did not happen ever with Barack Obama. This didn't happen with George W. Bush. Because while you need a healthy ego and confidence to, to even consider yourself able to be the president of the United States, you're secure in how you feel about yourself
4: yeah
2: well donald trump is not (laughs) well i think people think with narcissists that they act that that is a healthy ego or something but within the narcissist ego they feel insecure and broken yeah and that's why they behave the way that they do so it isn't as though donald trump feels confident or like he has it together that he's a valid guy he wants
1: to Convince everyone he does so he feels like they feel like he is, although he'll never feel that way about himself.
2: Right, but he needs that stimulation. He needs that reinforcement from outside. They're
1: they're stimulating him, all right.
2: Uh, I guess I shouldn't have used that word. Jerky
1: McJerk Town. All right. All right. Shall we wrap it up?
2: Yes.
8: The asshole of today.
2: This is Pope Francis uh, slash the Catholic Church in general.
1: Pope Francis, asshole of today.
2: Yeah. So Cardinal Bernard Law died. That's right. And he is the former Archbishop of Boston. And if you've seen the movie Spotlight... He's a monster. Then you know a little bit about him. He moved priests around...
1: He protected over 200 child rapists.
2: He moved them from parish to parish, helping them avoid consequence for their crimes and creating even more victims of child sexual abuse at the hands of um, priests.
1: Yeah, and paying out piddly amounts of hush money to victims to try to keep them quiet so this horrible truth would not be known.
2: So he's dead
1: and fuck him.
2: And they are still honoring him in a traditional Catholic funeral, um, situation.
1: Cause he was a Cardinal, which is what, you know, if there's a ranking system, he's, he was qualified and eligible to be Pope because when they do go into the conclave, when a Pope dies or quits like this last one did, All the cardinals get together and they vote on who among themselves will be the next pope. And so he was he was a cardinal.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That's how high ranking he was.
2: Well, and after all this happened, he was pushed out of Boston because all this was uncovered. It was exposed. um, But. In the church, they they don't have consequences from the outside world. So he went to Rome. And when this happened, it was Joseph Ratzinger. Right, it,
1: because the Vatican is its own country with its own diplomatic law. It's its own state.
2: Right. So when this happened, when he was pushed out of Boston, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, was the pope. And he allowed him to come to Rome. And he was given a second career in Rome as an archpriest which was also controversial because not only did he avoid criminal consequence for what he did, he then went to Rome and was given a position in the church. Yeah. So this obviously upset sex abuse survivors. Um, One, that he escaped from Boston without any consequence. And then two, that he was put into a position of power. And then three, they have another insult to injury here with Pope Francis presiding over his funeral in Rome. And the church is saying, listen, this is what happens when cardinals die in Rome. Okay. So if they die in Rome, then they get this whole pomp and circumstance. Nothing we can do. Yeah. And isn't this kind of the problem, right? Adhering to these traditions because, oh, that's the way that we do it. Well, that's kind of what's gotten you into this position, is it not?
1: Well, listen, Pope Francis is going to preside over this funeral of a man who presided over the rape and torture of children. How does that sit with you, Catholics in the audience? The most innocent among us,
2: well, and listen to this. So one of the cardinals who was at the funeral said, quote, even cardinals make mistakes. It's
1: not it's not a mistake. It's not turning left when you're meant to turn right. It's a systemic cover-up of rape of children. And for the, it tells me a lot about the attitude of the current modern-day Catholic Church. Today's Catholic Church, not the church from five years ago, when they're still making excuses for this asshole. Good riddance. I'm glad he's fucking dead because there's no one else who's going to be hurt at his hands. There's no one else who's going to be able to use cardinal law as cover up for their crimes against children.
2: Well, and it's how how much do these survivors have to take? Right? Yes. Where... The person that um, abused them isn't getting a consequence. The person that moved the abusers from parish to parish, causing more children to get abused, isn't punished and then elevated to a new position when he is protected in Rome. And then he dies and Pope Francis is presiding over his funeral and he's going to be buried in these prestigious places where all the other people get to be buried. Yeah. It's insulting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it lets you know where the priority of the Catholic Church is. It's certainly not with children who turned into adults whose lives were turned upside down.
2: Yeah, and this is bringing a lot of pain back for them. uh, The Boston Globe is going and interviewing survivors and talking to them about how this death is sitting with them and, and how the now Pope Francis presiding over the funeral, how that is sitting with them. And it's hurting them. It's reopening wounds. And it just seems like the priority of the church should be about human beings and dignity rather than adhering to goofy traditions. Well, Um,
1: listen, the the, the Catholic Church, Joseph, uh, not Joseph Ratzinger, um, this current Pope, Pope Francis, he can save his apologies to the victims All of these popes who, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm the Pope, and we are sorry for what happened. Save your fucking sorries. When this is is what you do, when this is the, the answer and the closure you give to these victims that they'll never really get, you're slapping them in the face. You're opening up old wounds. You're letting the world know you don't really fucking care. What you care is about maintaining your traditions of covering up for abuse, of exalting this man, sending him off in style with a celebration fit for a king. Disgusting. I'd love to know what the audience thinks. Pope Francis fans. I know atheists who are super, um, super fans of this pope who think he's awesome who think he's wonderful, doing great work. Fuck this guy. Unbelievable, unacceptable, absolutely asshole of today.
2: So I want to correct the record really quick. Normally normally I would say that, um, (laughs) hey, we need to fix something I said, but I caught myself right now. Um, It was actually Pope John Paul. That Pope um, John Paul II that appointed him to the position um, as high priest in Rome. Okay, so because uh, Ratzinger was appointed in 2005.
1: So. Oh, right, he left Pope John Paul because uh, Cardinal Law left in the early 2000s. Yeah, 2004.
2: Yeah, and, he was appointed. and Pope
1: John Paul was still alive. Yes, still puttering around. So
2: at the tail end of his reign.
1: Yeah, his yeah, his his yeah, his time as cardinal. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we were going to do another thing on on Sean Hannity, but we'll end it. We'll save it. We'll save that for next time. We love you guys. We appreciate you, and we blah blah blah. We'll see. Ya, we'll see you on on Sunday. Those of you who watch the sausage be made. For the rest of you, uh, we'll catch you on episode three hundred sixty-seven. We do love you. We do appreciate you. Uh, if you are on the fence about supporting the show, you could, one, give us a rating and review on iTunes. If you're an iTunes user, that would be awesome. I think you could also do it via Stitcher. That would be beautiful. But if you are in a position and you've been thinking about supporting the show, helping us move the conversation forward, helping produce bonus content And supporting the show going forward, we would love to have you uh, as a member of our Patreon family. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon, and we will see you. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Three sneezes avoided. (laughs)